the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to Hour 2 of tonight's Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you guys here with me. We've got some uh, series stories to share with you guys. There was a state Supreme Court that ruled against a fetal heartbeat law heartbeat law, and, and ruled it as unconstitutional. We've got that, that to share with you guys. We've got a crazy story out of New York involving Mayor of Ratville. <laughs> We're going to share with you guys. Um, I, you know, I meant to play this clip, and then before I get into um, some other stories tonight, I want to wrap up. I meant to play this when I was talking about Damar Hamlin at the end of last hour. I, You know, I talked about how his doctors had said when he woke up, the first thing he asked about was who won the game. Um, I did want to play the official clip of his doctors just for those that hadn't had a chance to hear about uh, his condition in terms of where he stands. And this is just such a story that's captivated the nation. I wanted to wrap up uh, by playing this clip one. There has been substantial improvement in his condition over the past 24 hours. Uh, we had significant concern um, about him after the injury and after the event that happened on the field, uh, but he is making substantial progress. Uh, as of this morning, uh, he is beginning uh, to awaken, uh, and it appears that his neurological uh, condition and function is intact. Uh, we are very pr- uh, proud to report that, very happy for him. Uh, and for his family and for the Buffalo Bills organization. That's wonderful. Can you imagine the pressure? That's like being president. Not, I wouldn't say to be the physician to the president, but yeah, I mean, it's tough enough being, uh, you know, a, a doctor, right? And having to, to treat life-saving uh, conditions. But uh, I mean, such a high-profile case. I don't think I, I don't think I got the chutzpah to do that. Do you, Skins? Nope. That's all you got to say. That's all I got to say about that. Nope. (laughs) I don't know. Um, uh, When uh, you might like this analogy, when Tom Cruise uh, decided to do the original Top Gun, he said there was only a few uh, careers that were truly for certain men. One was to be a fighter pilot. And I think one is to be a fighter pilot takes a very special person with a heck of a lot of courage to do that. And I think the other is to be uh, a type of doctor, particularly involving, neuro, you know, neurological conditions and brain surgeons. That's one of the reasons why I love Ben Carson so much. Um, it, you've got to have an, an extraordinary confidence and self-assuredness and, and tremendous courage. So... I just, I I love that so much. Speaking of courage and tremendous heart, 
Um, y'all know I, how much I love prosecutors. Y'all know I'm a true crime fanatic. I love all true crime stories. I haven't talked much about the Idaho murders, in part because there really wasn't much to say for a long time. It was just an absolutely horrific event that took place. The uh, law, local law enforcement, uh, district attorney's office, they kept very silent, much to um, the um, dismay of the families who really wanted updates on what was happening. And now uh, that we have the suspect in custody, Koberger, the incredible detective work that was done was absolutely brilliant. And I think it's without question. Of course, we all we believe in our justice system and innocent until proven guilty. But I just um, but I think it's without question they got their man. It's still up to the government to prove it. I think it, a, a guilt, I'd rather see a guilty person go free than an innocent person be railroaded. And we actually have seen some of that in our justice system. Kyle Rittenhouse was a case of prosecutorial misconduct, a case of withholding information all meant to use that young man to push a leftist agenda. But in general, prosecutors and detectives who have to show up at these gruesome scenes and see this stuff that's happened, and they and then they then they don't sleep for weeks and months and they work their heinies off in order to bring justice for the families. And so this is just so exciting to me to see the hard work and the dedication that went in and to see the extraordinary detective work to get this guys. I mentioned it earlier, like the fact that all the details that are coming out now that they kept quiet kept under wraps which is really 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 important that they didn't leak at the wrong times or leak it all to the media or even to the families that had a huge uh, impact on that but crossing interstate lines the way they piece the science together this is just there's sometimes when these cases are done so well I watch so many cases on 2020 and Dateline NBC and 48 Hours Mysteries in which they don't secure so many times local police doesn't secure the crime scene detectives don't follow up on on leads and then you have family that go years and sometimes forever never never getting the truth and never seeing the perpetrator brought to justice and we see that here and so I just get, got to give a shout out to that. I know many people are, are obsessed over this story right now um, and there's so much interesting stuff coming out today uh, and it's one of these cases where this is somebody who I don't know if he's killed before this is technically he's a serial killer with the number of people he's killed. This is somebody that clearly, in my opinion, planned a lifetime of killing. He's somebody that was taking criminology courses and under the plan of how to outsmart the criminal justice system so that he could go on crime sprees probably for the rest of his life. Now, here's a theory that I want to put out there to you guys and skins. Have you heard of something called incels? I have, but I don't know what it is. It's something that's called, um, in, they, they call themselves incels they, because they're involuntarily celibate, meaning that no woman, kind of like my Kevin McCarthy analogy, right? McCarthy just, you know, he's continuing to try to get some, some love uh, for speaker and it ain't happening. These are men primarily who say that they're not able to get I- I- any sexual relationships going with women and therefore they, they become involuntary celibate and voluntarily celibate and then what ends up happening there was just somebody in ohio who was arrested arrested a young man who was planning a mass a mass uh, attack because they're so angry that they're not able to get any any uh, sexual relationships going that they then start murdering and so there's some theories that that's what's happened here uh, with this idaho killer so i just had to mention this i got to give some props to these detectives and these prosecutors because i think they've done a fantastic job 
Another little detective work that was done in New York City. This story, when I heard it today, had me and Skins cracking up because it involves our favorite mayor. We played a clip from him last night. It sounds like a parody. It's, this doesn't sound like a real story. We're no. talking about Mayor Eric Adams from New York. I, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not able to. It would be to, like an onion story. It, yeah, this would be like an onion story. <laughs> Evidently, this dude, Mayor Eric Adams, who brags about smoking pot, is complaining that illegal aliens are being dumped into a city. Evidently, he's not worried about the rodents that are running around his property and what that's doing. He's upset that illegal aliens are being brought in by Colorado, but his neighbors in Brooklyn are like, dude, we don't like all the rats you got running around on your property. He's been ticketed before and now he just got another ticket i think upwards of like seven thousand dollars the mayor of new york city is not has a known he has a rat problem on his property and he's (laughs) i just got to play this clip for you guys clip two he's got a big rep for hating rats not unusual in new york city of course but for mayor adams it's become something of a bigger issue. Oh, yeah. For the second time since May, the mayor has now been ticketed for not ending a rat infestation <laughs> at his house in Brooklyn. And the possible fine for Mr. Adams is $1,200. Some of the irony in all this is that he says he's already spent $7,000 trying to get rid of the rodents. Here's Kimberly Richardson. Here at Mayor Adams' Brooklyn Brownstone, rats! It happened again. I'm looking forward to be the chocolate Perry Mason when I go into court. (laughs) The mayor is yet again dealing with something he despises most. Rodents here at his property in Bed-Stuy. In two summons dated December 7th, an inspector noted he found a rat burrow, fresh droppings, and an active rat runway. One neighbor tells me the four-legged beasts like these. Well, this is their playground, this dark, damp spot next door their master bedroom covered with what's left of a grand feast. But when asked about the unwanted visitors, the mayor says, nope. I have a camera at the house, and I look back on that date. Uh, My yard is clean. (laughs) My garbage is in containers. Also last month, the mayor was slapped with yet another summons focused on rat infestation, but it was dismissed. He insists he's staying on top of the problem, spending $7,000 on rat mitigation efforts. He's optimistic this latest ticket will also get thrown out. But you get a summons, you feel it was done unjustly, uh, go and fight it, and that's what I'm going to do. Another possible solution, enter stage left Curtis Sliwa, his offer to the mayor. We'll put a cat colony, <laughs> a feral cat colony here. We'll find somebody here on the block. To manage it. It's very simple. <laughs> the mayor says he's open to the idea while accepting Sliwa's offer to serve as the city's city, new yeah. so-called rat czar for free. He could be part of our internship program because I know he's probably been looking for a job since he lost the job that he was trying to get. Ooh, cat fight. Kimberly Richardson, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. This cannot be true. We cannot have the, uh, the mayor of the largest city in the United States of America who's got a rat infestation at his home. This is what's, this is what we've got for our government in the United States. This is who the citizens of New York elected as mayor. This, the same people that voted for this clown, this fool who, what did he refer? The chocolate Perry Mason, he calls himself. <laughs> um, they elected him to run the city when he can't even run his own backyard. Spent seven thousand dollars, can't get rid of rats, 
And his answer is, I looked at my ring camera. I didn't see no rats running around. This is insane. And then I love Curtis Lewa, who ran for mayor. Curtis Lewa, he's got a solution to the rat problem. He's bringing some feral cats to it. So the, the voters of New York voted for the dude with the rat problem, the rat infestation, and rejected the dude who's got a problem to the rats and is called a feral cat colony. You just can't make this uh, this stuff up. Skins. I was just going to say, you can't make this stuff this up. This is so, I mean, it's hilarious to me because it was like a skit out of Saturday Night Live, this whole thing. And then you guys have to watch the video of it to see Curtis Lewa show up with crates full of feral cats to try to take out these rats, right? And by the way, if, if, if Mayor Adams paid $7,000 to try to get rid of fat rats, I mean, with cats, why didn't, why didn't, uh, why wasn't this tried before by the people he gave $7,000 to? I just thought this was hilarious. It was very funny. Very funny. All right, we're going to take a break. Then we're going to get serious. What state ruled that the fetal heartbeat law is unconstitutional? It's not over. The fight for life is not over in the United States of America. Stay tuned. AK, dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. whatever you call her. She's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Rolling into Friday, because tonight is Friday Eve. Um, was it last night or the night before, Skins, we talked about uh, the report that uh, the FDA has opened up basically across the country. Briefly last night. Yeah, in, in pharmacies across the country, the abortion pill. And I'm not really sure on, on that particular pill. There's the morning after pill, which stops implantation. Right. There's some some pills that actually cause an actual abortion to, it, it, I hate to use this, to purge a, ch- a, a preborn child. And, and, and it's a lesson to us that the left is going to continue to do everything push, that they push, can push. to push, push, push uh, to to um, for the it's the infanticide movement in this country. And um, they're not they're not going to stop and they're not going to stop. It's been returned to the states. The FDA, the FDA decision was about having some centralized control over it. They really want to get it back uh, to centralized. And at the state level, though, it's still you know, we still have to fight. It, you know, last hour, Tom DeBacaro was talking about how we've got to be active, right? I mean, most most Republicans, the only thing they ever do is vote, and half of them don't even do that, right? You've got to get active at your at your local level. And it, we're a republic of states. Uh, we're not supposed to have a centralized system of power. And that means we're supposed to have responsibility for our government, right? And get involved and get active. And we have to fight. We can't just go, oh, yay, the Supreme Court, in, in, if you're interested in pro-life and you care about children and you care about, the, in, 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 even if you're somebody that thinks, oh, maybe abortion in the first trimester is okay, you have to understand that what uh, Roe v. Wade was about was about piercing and destroying and removing God from our culture. Because if you will kill a preborn child, then we have no, we then we are not the America that we were we were formed to be, right? Um, so anyway, the left is never going to stop at pushing uh, the the infanticide in this country. And one of the left's favorite ways to try to get their agenda pushed is through the courts. In a three two decision Thursday, the South Carolina Supreme Court said the Fetal Heartbeat Act illegally infringes on a woman's right to privacy. Did we not settle? Did the Supreme Court not say? That there's nothing in the Constitution that says anything about a, about privacy for women or anybody else. And by the way, does this court realize that the Democrats don't think there's such a thing as a woman anymore? 
The act was signed into law by Governor Henry McMaster in 2021, and it prohibited abortion on a fetus's heartbeat. Once a fetus's heartbeat can be detected, which usually occurs around six weeks of pregnancy. And by the way, we are one of only, what, three or four countries in the world that continues abortion after, I think the average around the world is 14 weeks. Most countries around the world, it's at the heartbeat. That should tell you something. We, uh, the United States of America, when it comes to abortion, we are the barbarians. This is barbaric. Writing for the majority, Justice K. Hearn said, We hold that the decision to terminate a pregnancy rests upon the utmost personal and private considerations imaginable, and it implicates a woman's right to privacy. <sighs> this makes me so angry. While this right is not absolute, well, it's not absolute. I don't have the right under privacy to go into my doctor and sell my kidneys. This is insanity. This is legislating from the bench and pushing insanity and nonsense. It is not a woman's body. She doesn't have a constitutional right for privacy. Stop legislating from the bench. Goes on to say, while this right is not absolute, it must be balanced against the state's interest in protecting unborn life. You don't ba- There's no balance. How do you balance? You either protect life or you don't. Yeah, there's no middle ground. Either it's a human being, which it is, or it's not. And this whole argument about sustainability, I'm sick of hearing it because um, it, 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 you've had children. Were your twins sustainable throughout their childhood? You had to feed them, right? I had to feed them. Take care of them? Yeah, to do that too. There's laws that have to do with you know um, child protection, child protective services. CPS is supposed to show up at your door if you're not taking care of your children properly. Why? Bueller, Bueller, because children cannot sustain their own life. They're not adults. They're not supposed to be able to fend for themselves, earn a living, pay the bills, get food for themselves, cook the food. This is so insane. What's going on here? The heartbeat law in South Carolina went into effect after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned its Roe v. Wade decision, ending federal constitutional protections. Um, so this, so this is basically an activist court who decided to overturn the legal statewide authority that this governor had with this fetal heartbeat law. So we got to keep fighting. Planned Parenthood said in response, today's ruling is a win for freedom. It's a win, it's a win for, for murder. If you're on the side of murdering the, the unborn, we are relieved at this dangerous law. How is this law dangerous? How is this law dangerous? Even if you're, even if you're pro-abortion, tell me how this law is dangerous. How is a heartbeat law dangerous? It threatens parents, patients, and providers. We were talking about messaging before. They go, the, Planned Parenthood goes on to say here, reproductive health care, including abortion, is a fundamental right. No, it's not. Quite frankly, no health care is, is, a, is a right. We have private health care in this country. Doctors spend a tremendous amount of time and money and incur tremendous liability legally, financially, and they have the right to decide who they treat as a patient. You don't have the right to walk into any doctor's office and say, hey, I'm here to be treated. You don't have that right. We need to be doing a better job with our messaging. There is no such thing as reproductive health care. Abortion is not health care. It's murder. 
Uh, South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson, who defended the law in court, said he was working with Governor McMaster's option office to review legal options uh, going forward. What does it have to go back to to the Supreme Court? They sent they sent it back to the states. The governor had the right under the law to pass whatever legislation he wanted to pass under this, and he did. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Final half hour of tonight's Andrea K. Show. 888-344-1170. Email me at Andrea K. Show. Follow me on all the socials. Download my podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't go anywhere because we will be back. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Sometimes there's there's big stories, and I don't know whether I should talk about them or not. Uh, do you guys care about this? I mean, th- there's one of the stories that's dominating the news today, and it's Prince Harry. I guess he's got his book coming out now, as if the Netflix deal that they did, this Netflix series that they did, wasn't ugly enough with their claims uh, against the, uh, you know, the, I don't even know what to call them. They call them the firm, I guess, or the institution, the royal family, right, over over in Britain. Um, I've never been, I mean, there are lots of Americans that actually love the royal family that are royal. Yeah, my royal wife watching. is one of them. Is she, um, what is she saying on this whole Prince Harry thing? Because his, his book that's coming out now, he is alleging that William beat up on him um, in the cottage and knocked him down and hurt his back, breaking a dog bowl. And even worse, he's accusing Harry, I mean, accusing William and Kate for being the ones to, you know, like the, he's blaming them for the fact that he wore a Nazi costume to a Halloween party. Um, I mean, I just think that this is a story of um, liberalism, really, because this is, I think that he was a young man who didn't have his mother anymore. He was younger than William when she passed. I think that he didn't have enough, given the royal family and the way. I think he needed her influence. I think he was influenced by the wrong people, including Meghan Markle. And I think that she is the typical quintessential, miserable, entitled, grievance-filled, toxic, liberal. She's the poster child for it. Never, not capable of ever being happy because she has to look all day, every day about how she's in order to confirm her internal bias that she's a victim. And I think she's completely, I think, you know, he fell madly in love with her and she just wormed her way in. I think she's a narcissist. And on top of, I think, I think her toxic brand of liberalism and this was a woman who had even admitted at one point that she, as she began to accuse the royal family being racist, admitted that she had never been treated in a racist manner in the United States of America. And yet now her brand is all about the West, the United States and Britain of being evil racist. And then in the course, here's my take. I, get, I, th- I didn't think I cared about the story until I started thinking about it right now. Because for me, it's not about the royal family. I don't care about them. We're uh, the United States of America because we broke away from that nonsense. Um, but what I see happening here, what, how this, it, it, what matters to me is how this is an example of, of toxic liberalism. And I think this is, one, it, it's something that, that should 
be an aspect of the story because that's what this is about. So to the degree in which they've got to continue to try to, in my opinion, they want to run for office. She wants to run for office here. Their whole brand is about the U.S. and Britain being evil racist empires and in the course to whitewash and to cover and to wipe clean his conscience and his inner racist and her inner racist, but his with that Nazi uniform is to blame his brother for it. I think I don't think there's any more disgusting, vile human beings on the planet than these two right now. And particularly because they know the situation they put the royal family in that they can't even, there's no way for William to prove that it wasn't his idea for his brother to wear the Nazi uniform. And by the way, that happened, what, 10 years ago? 12 years ago? Why are we for just now hearing that, that it was William's idea or Kate's that he wear a Nazi uniform? Just what a punk these two are. Absolutely vile. And I think that if you're going to have these, these kind of high profile people out there, I don't care about the royal family. I think that, it, I think that when you've got this kind of narrative being pushed by people that have a shield around them of whatever, we got to break through it. We got to call them out. That's my thoughts. What do you think, Skins? Yep. That's all you got to say, man. I, I, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. There's nothing to add. Well, you understand. You see that you see the, what the connection is here is liberalism. It's like I've talked about Condoleezza Rice many, and I'm not a huge fan of Condoleezza Rice's. Uh, I think she was the wrong person to be Secretary of State at the time. Her major and her undergraduate, her life studies was Russia, and we were dealing with Islamic Jihad, right, uh, in, during the Bush years. It really wasn't about Russia at that point, really, in terms of what we were facing, and I didn't think she was the right person to handle that. But um, uh, what Things I, sure have changed since the Queen's passing. Yeah, but what I loved about her was I loved... Um, her, her, uh, uh, she was like a female Ben Carson in a way. She actually went to, I, I think she, did she go to school with the girls in the, in the Montgomery bombing or she knew them or she was, she was, uh, you know, somehow she was connected to that story. And certainly she grew up at that time in Alabama and much like Ben Carson's mother told him that he needed to read a book. Her dad encouraged her to not just, you know, study academically and to soar academically, but to play the piano and become a concert pianist. To focus on achievement, to focus on hard work, and to not stay mired in a mindset of victimhood. And at the 2012 Republican National Convention, she talked about how the, you know, when you're creating victims and you're manufacturing a mindset of victim, victimhood, then this other side of that is going to be a sense of entitlement. That's the twin sister to it. And we, this is, this is a part of our culture. We got to start talking about. I love that Tom Dell has some great ideas on how to put forth, forth policy positions, how to trap, you know, the Democrats and things like the border and, and spending bills and stuff. But n- we still don't have a plan as a party skins to deal with the cultural issues we've got going on. Yeah, those are, and if anything, those are the bigger issues. There was a story, I, I, I've got a, Bob Walters is coming on the show tomorrow night, and I'm not sure if he's seen it because it just came and went out of the, out of, out of the, out of the news cycle. And in fact, it didn't even get much play, but it was a mother in New Jersey who was suing the school district, I think New Jersey, because her daughter was forced to perform a monologue in which she used language so pornographic and against FCC regulations. I can't even repeat it on the show. And it was, and it was a part of pushing this LBGTQ stuff. I'll paraphrase what she was forced to 
perform, do like, like when I was in, and I was in junior high, I had to do, um, I was given a, a, an assignment by my teacher to do, who remembers the um, Friends Romans Countrymen, Lemon Your Ears, I come to bury Caesar, yep. not to praise him. The evil men do lives after them. The good is often teared in their bones. I see, I still remember part of it. That's what I had to recite. This teenager is told she's got to recite crap like, um, I'm a lesbian. I don't like blank. I never liked blank. And you're not going to make me want to F blank. I mean, that kind of just vulgar, foul stuff going on in our schools. We don't have a plan as a Republican Party on how to deal with this cultural stuff. And I think when Tom was like, he wasn't sure what we had argued about. That's what it was. It was about, okay, we can all agree as Republicans for low taxes, seal the border. But what are we going to do about the cultural issues we've got? Somebody messaged me, Mo did the other day, that evidently uh, Trump made some uh, negative comments and went after some pro-life candidates. Did you hear that story? No. Yeah. Um, speaking of Mo, she messaged me during the break. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your bud there is sounding somewhat like a rhino. Um, Tom's not a rhino. Um, Tom is, Tom is somebody that, um, is, is, he's an attorney. So the way he thinks in terms of solutions, and by the way, I actually think that's been part of the problem, is that we've gone from having our representatives be farmers and local business owners to mostly attorneys. And they think differently. They think analytically. They think process. So he's coming from a place of process. And I, and when we're talking about how to save this country, we've got to be thinking more from dealing with the psycho- psychological cultural Marxist movement that's taking place and that has to do with the um, preying upon the minds of children, this snowflake mentality, the situation issue that we've got with a grievance and victimhood mindset. And it's not easily solved with here's a two page plan to put to put forth and put the Democrats on the spot with. Yeah, Tom's by, by far not even close to a rhino. No. Um, uh, Mo also emailed me Gates called McCarthy the squatter. <laughs> in the the speaker's office lol a leader does not acquiesce how do you think the witch dictator was there for so long and i do not call her a leader absolutely if we're going to save this country the argument i don't want to hear from the republicans continuing briefly on the speaker thing is that and i mentioned this last hour don't tell me that we've got to hurry up and get mccarthy in there so we can get things done for the american people because mccarthy's not going to get anything done for the american people he's only going to continue when he votes with the democrat 44 percent of the time he's only going to aid and abet the democrats that means he is nothing but a speed bump on the democrats road to communism in this country that's not a win for us in fact we're better off right now with nothing being done oh gosh nothing's being done for the american people oh my gosh nothing well you know what when they do something on behalf of the american people we get 1.7 trillion dollars in spending that includes adding money to the fbi on the heels of finding out the way that they've been fascistically controlling us and censoring our speech. That's what we get when they do something for us. Quite frankly, we're better off if they're doing nothing. I was just going to say, you know, every time there's the looming government shutdown, I just pray that they don't cut a deal because I think that's what is needed. Yeah. You think about what is actually essential. What do our government do? We need the military. We don't need the Department of Education. We don't need we don't need endless museums to be run. I like them, but you know, we don't really need that. Do we need the Department of Interior? 
Do we really need the Department of Interior? Can that not not, not be handled on a local level? Right? Parks and Rec handling our, 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 you know, federal government lands. Do we need the EPA? We didn't have the EPA until what, in the 60s, 70s? Was that Jimmy Carter who brought us the EPA? Do we need the EPA? Besides the military, besides the, the legislative branch and the Department of Justice, do we, do we need the Department of Homeland Security? That didn't happen until the 2000s, thanks to Bush. Uh, what, what do we get out of that? We don't need the Department of Homeland Security. We would have been better off outsourcing our airports to private companies. Would have been far better off. Do we need 17? What was it when uh, Hillary Clinton falsely claimed uh, that the DNC servers were hacked by the Russians and 17 intelligence agencies said, oh, she was when they never looked at the servers? And everybody was like, 17 intelligence agencies? Do we need 17? Have they solved a crime? Have they prevented a terrorist attack lately? Do we need uh, Quantico and all this? No, we don't need all that. Do we need the FBI? No. You think about how much better our lives would be right now if we broke up the monopoly of the U.S. government and got rid of most of the, the departments that we have. We need state, but it doesn't need to be as bloated as it is. We, need, uh, we don't need the Department of Energy. We don't need state. I mean, we do need state. We don't need energy. We don't need the Department of Education. Um, we don't need interior. We need the DOD, and that's about it. going to take a break. Because we're about it. We're about done. Stay tuned. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. I meant to mention earlier on this Idaho story. One of the things that has me really scratching my head is there was two surviving roommates. One survive one surviving roommate heard noise, heard whimpering, heard you know bad stuff, and actually at one point saw the the murderer, the suspect. Um, as he was leaving at 425 in the morning. In fact, he walked right past her and this was 425 in the morning and yet the police were not called until noon. Wow. And I get that you could be frozen in that moment and shocked. Um, I have no un- comprehension. I cannot wrap my head around the fact why this girl and I'm I, and, and, and it's hard for me to not be angry because I don't understand. I cannot come up with any kind of explanation and justification for why she did not call the police, why she did not go looking room to room, because we don't know at that point if any of the if any of the young people could have survived. Didn't check on her roommates, never called the police, evidently went back to bed. The families haven't said anything about that, but, you know, if it were me... I'd be I'd be warm over that skins. I'd be hot. I would be. There's no explanation, no justification. I haven't heard a statement as to why that information had been withheld until today as well. The police knew it at at, at the time, um, but uh, they hadn't released that information to the public. Absolutely despicable. Uh, to me. I, you know that I guess that's how I feel about it. I think it's despicable that she did not go check on her roommates. What'd she do? I would have, the second he walked out the door, I would have made sure I secured 
the 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 make sure I checked all the doors and windows, and I would have been on the phone with the with the cops while running and checking on my roommates, some of which may be alive today. We don't know. Equally, uh, well, I don't want to say equally. Here's another sus- uh, uh, despicable story. The girlfriend of U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. You guys remember Brian Sicknick, right? He was the one where the Democrats lied and said that he was murdered by some MAGA people wielding a fire extinguisher, which never happened to the degree that, and then they laid him in the Capitol Rotunda like he was, you know, a former president or, or, or head of state laying there all in a, in a play to manipulate and to uh, control the minds of the American people and, and add to the falsehood today we still have democrats and others believing that police officers died the six people died on january 6th one person died on january 6th and it was an unarmed ashley babbitt and she was shot dead at close range unarmed by a Capitol Police officer who should have been prosecuted. Now we've got the girlfriend of Capitol Police officer, Brian Sicknick. She's suing former President Trump and Donald Trump, as well as two of the Capitol rioters, for his death. First of all, how does she have standing? She's not a wife. She's not a daughter. Talk about a, a gross attempt to exploit a situation for herself. This is just nasty to me. This is nasty. So she's, and she's requesting that each of the defendants pay $10 $10 million. She filed this lawsuit today. Her lawyer says, (laughs) her lawyer says that any recovery that comes as a result of the lawsuit skins is going to be donated to charity. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah, this isn't about her, right? Uh, it, it, the lawsuit accuses Trump of directly inciting the, vi- quote, the violence at the U.S. Capitol that followed and then watched approvingly as the building was overrun. Quote, after Donald Trump's speech ended, insurgents charged the hill surrounding the U.S. Capitol and began scaling the building's outer walls. Officers reported rioters were attacked. Da, 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 da. I mean, nothing new here. This is just shameless. This is shameless. We know that... Um, Officer Sicknick died, uh, you know, within a day or two, evidently from a heart attack or whatever. But they're they're trying to claim that he passed away due to injuries sustained while on on duty, which is just not even remotely uh, proven. I think Donald. What did Donald Trump's people have to say about it? I think they uh, they said that he was immune from frivolous attacks, and that's absolutely what this is. And it almost makes me wonder, Skins, if the Democrats didn't come to her and put her up to this. Because they got no play, right, from this Jan 6 thing. It wouldn't surprise me. Kind of, kind of, you know, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, they're always looking for an end. And but but Donald Trump can afford to defend himself against this kind of frivolous crap. Um, but but this lawsuit also goes after two other Jan 6 defendants. Uh, a Julian Ellie Cater. Um as well as George Pierre Tanios. So, and the thing with those is they pled guilty to assaulting law enforcement officers. Um, well, Julian uh, Cater did. And you know what? If he assaulted a police officer, he should be arrested and prosecuted for that. But what did that have to do with Brian Sicknick? Nothing. Why are you, why are you suing this dude? Uh, George Pierre Tanios, he was uh, initially charged with assaulting a, a, a police officer, but later pleaded guilty to two misdemeanors. So this guy who pled out 
two misdemeanors, is now being slapped with a $10 million lawsuit that's probably, that he will have to defend. He's going to have to hire attorneys and defend himself on the skins. I don't believe I, uh, that, uh, that, this is, that she's acting alone here. Somebody's putting her up to this. Some, um, some big, big, probably George Soros or some big legal outlet, outfit associated with the Democrats that's are behind this. That's got lots of money. That's got lots of money's behind this. Because they got to keep the Jan 6 story going. And now, and they've got to continue their their favorite way. One of their favorite ways to exploit Jan Six is through Officer Sitnik. So uh, that's uh, unfortunately for them, a lot of people have tuned out. They they're they're over it. Yeah. All right. So tomorrow's Friday. We always struggle so much in trying to find a hero of the week. Do you have any ideas right now at this point? Not at this point. I think you know what it might need to be collectively the twenty holdouts. On McCarthy, and I hope they, I hope they stand, they stand firm and don't cave until they get what what they want. Well, you know what? I think that there will come a time where if there's nobody else, and by the way, my my friend Julie, uh, Julio Rivera is busting Jim Jordan uh, for not stepping up. Jim Jordan saying, "I don't want the speaker role." Um, you are you serve the people, okay? It's not about what you want to be doing. At least it shouldn't. Well, be. that's what's been lost. That's what's been lost. Is people recognizing that you're there not to serve yourself. Oh, you feel comfortable on the Judicial Committee or this committee, and it's just not really, you know, in your, your bucket list item to be Speaker of the House because it's process-oriented and administrative. Too bad. Too bad. You're not supposed to be there for your fun and games or for what makes you happy or feel good. You're supposed to be there about serving the people. And the people, the party you represent, and the people who, uh, who voted to give the majority to the Republican Party don't want McCarthy. Don't want McCarthy. It's, it, you're, you're, I'm surprised after 11 rounds, he's still there and wanting to go further. Well, I think it's because he's getting some action in terms of some movement with negotiations because you've got, and the reason why that's happening is because you've got the Jim Jordans and others that are refusing to step up to the plate. So, you know, so, and that, and so for those that are thinking that it's the 20 holdouts that are damaging the reputation, it's not. It's the Jim Jordans. Because, you know, the, 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 the voters who support these 20 MAGA people support the MAGA movement. They support the MAGA ideology. So they're going to continue to support them. The rhinos are going to continue to hate them. It's the Jim Jordans that are really kind of rhino-esque, that, are kinda, that, that people thought were MAGA, but are kind of exposing their rhino-ness. Now, Andy Biggs can't do it alone. Yeah, yeah. So... And we can't do it alone either. we got to have you guys join us every night of the week, 6 to, to 8 p.m. here. Follow me on all the socials. Email me at Andrea K. Show. Don't forget we have a 24-hour hotline, 844-814-5227. We will be back tomorrow on Friday show. Bob Walters, here of the week and stink of the week. And you, peace out. Love you all. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.